Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Good evening, Draft Knicks. We are back for another DraftSite.com podcast. I am DJ Boyer. Been a while since we chatted. We've got uh, under 70 days until the next NFL draft. Unlike any of the previous calls, we now know the complete draft order. Something I've been waiting for my whole life. I got to pull apart or step aside from my impartiality and say that, well, many of you who have listened to this know that I am a Philadelphia Eagles fan, so I've waited a lifetime. We are picking 32nd. I know how sweet it will be knowing that the Eagles will be in Dallas. The draft will be in Dallas this year, and for that 32nd pick, they will have to say, and with the 32nd pick, the world champion Philadelphia Eagles, oh, there's going to be a chorus of boos. It's going to be beautiful to hear. But anyway, all of that aside, fantastic Super Bowl. I'd say entertaining Super Bowl. I like a little more defense. I don't think it was the best game we've seen. But high drama, kept us on the edge of our seat, came down to the final play, had everything else you were looking for. Again, unless you were a fan of defense. Later on this week, the NFL Combine will begin in Indianapolis. After that concludes, after the week in Indy, it'll be up to individual pro days at various colleges. So now is when we're down to the nitty-gritty. Now is when it's getting serious. And you know it's serious because right now, DraftSite.com has over 1,800 people in the database. You can go on there. You can make your own mock draft. Look at the information. You heard that right. 1,800 players right now at this moment in our database. Full seven-round mock draft. Seven rounds and an extra round for compensatory picks. Again, when compensatory picks are announced, we will put them in the proper order. Slot those picks where they're meant to be. But right now we are counting for an extra round for comp picks. You're not going to find that anywhere else. Well, we're going to jump in tonight and go position by position. Tonight we're going to look at the offense. Kind of rank each of the prospects that we see. Who are some of the risers? Who are some of the fallers on the draft board currently? Who are some of those small school prospects, those gems? Who are the prospects that are pro-ready? Who's got more of a ceiling and uh, could, could actually pan out to be a, a top prospect, might need a little bit of time? And who's got some, ooh, going to say the B, the B word, bust? Who's got some bust potential? So right now we're going to jump right in. Of course, this is a draft that's going to be known for the quarterbacks. So we're going to go right to the quarterback side of the house. I mean, we could see five, maybe six quarterbacks taken in the first round. Not going to say we're going to harken back to the days of 1983 with the John Elway, Dan Marino, Jim Kelly class. I don't know if we have that many Hall of Famers, but we do have a ton of quarterbacks. Right for the picking. 
looking currently at the draftsite.com list, number one, we've got Josh Rosen out of UCLA, 6'3", 225. All started with that amazing first game of the year, the comeback against Texas A&M. He's got a lot of what you're looking for. He's got the pedigree. He's got, he's got a big arm. A couple of injury issues here and there. Maybe some shoulder issues. Thing is, really, what's it going to be like upstairs for Josh Rosen? Does he seem a little, quote, entitled? There's some that feel that way. Played behind a pretty, I could even say pathetic, inconsistent, let's, let's give UCLA a little bit of uh, credit here, an inconsistent offensive line while at UCLA. Not the most mobile. He can move, uh, he can move around the pocket. But Josh Rosen, most certainly a first-round pick, someone that should go in the top five, possibly number one overall. If Cleveland does reach for that quarterback or everything's in play, possibility of someone moving up and going into that number one spot, why not? Pick number two with the Giants, even though there's a, quote, commitment to Eli Manning, was he 37 years old? They're going to be looking. I don't think anyone's sold on the fact that Davis Webb is the future of this franchise. Don't see it happening. Geno Smith, not the future of this franchise. And a matter of fact, in our latest mock draft, that is where we had Josh Rosen going. We had him going number two overall, first quarterback off the board. And again, in that scenario, you're doing it with no trades. Number two, the man who was he's a redshirt sophomore, but he, so he is draft eligible, being he is redshirt, three years removed. After his amazing freshman performance, that Rose Bowl game against Penn State, many were, were seeing him as the number one prospect coming into this draft. I believe he was number two on our board when the season began overall. Sam Darnold. Very comparable in size to Josh Rosen. Both are going to be in that measure out with that six, two and a half, six, three and a quarter kind of range. Probably go 218 to 225. Darnold. Maybe a more lively arm. Some of the, the decision making this year kind of got him in trouble. He had a running game. Ronald Jones had a fantastic year. Yeah, he lost some weapons of receivers, but the cupboards weren't bare. Offensive line was, I'd say, in the upper tier, at least in the conference in the big in the uh, Pac-12. A lot of interceptions. So we're going to have to see where the where the meter kind of falls for Sam Darnold. Still top five pick. I think maybe Denver, they stay pit, stay put at number five. An ideal spot for Sam Darnold. Number three, we seem to be a little bit higher on this prospect. Mason Rudolph out of Oklahoma State, top senior quarterback available in this draft. Got to remember, there were only two teams last year, not this past season, the season before, that had a 3,000-yard passer, 
1,000-yard rusher, 1,000-yard receiver. One was Clemson. All of them left. Mike Williams, Wayne Gallman, Deshaun Watson, all gone. The other team was Oklahoma State. And, of course, they were led by that deadly combo, quarterback and wide receiver, Mason Rudolph and James Washington. Rudolph is a polished player. Started for nearly four whole seasons. I think it was very, very early in his freshman campaign when he actually took over. Not a guy that's very mobile. But on those short yardage runs or close to the goal line, he's tough to move. 6'4", 235, a little bit bigger than the other prospects that we just mentioned. Rudolph's had a – he's been dinged up here or there, but he's, he's kind of like a Roethlisberger type. He's a guy that's going to play through it. Takes a lot to sideline Mason Rudolph. The accuracies there. Oklahoma State just has not had very good success, not only with Mike Gundy there, but, but others before him. Not a lot of big-name quarterbacks out of Oklahoma State, known more as kind of, quote, busts, or never even making it at the NFL level. Brandon Whedon being the last example. Some of that, uh, unfortunately, I think, is going to play against Mason Rudolph. But again, very seasoned starter. I think we're going to see good things from him. Number four, another another senior, someone that I am high on, not one of the, quote, six that are looking like first-round prospects. Riley Ferguson, University of Memphis. We all remember Paxton Lynch. That's the guy he took over for. Riley Ferguson's a guy that can just sling it. I think he plays bigger than that 6'3", 6'4", kind of frame. A little leaner at 210. Riley Ferguson is a guy who I think is going to have to sit at the next level. He's going to need some time. He's not going to be a guy that's going to come in right away and be leading franchises to victories and be marching up and down the field. It's going to take him a little bit of time. But very strong. What I'm, what I'm impressed about Riley Ferguson the most when I watch him on tape, his accuracy and completion rate when looking at second and third reads. He's not a guy that... It's just going to panic if the first option is not open. He's going to have the time. He's going to look around and use his feet to make a little make a little more time in the pocket. Kind of has that feel for the oncoming rush. So I really like Riley Ferguson. Probably more of a third to fourth round prospect. Maybe a team like Baltimore who could be looking at something beyond Joe Flacco and what he's been able to do. I see that as an ideal landing spot or a player of Riley Ferguson's talents. Number five, there have been some of the question, does Heisman Trophy winner Lamar Jackson get quarterback? I think he does. I think people don't realize of the top prospects, he's probably got the strongest arm. Even though he's about 6'2", go about 210, boy, can this guy throw it just, what, maybe 70, 80 yards. He's got a gun. He's got the arm strength, and we know he's got the he's got the wheels, the accuracy. That's going to be the big question. Is he more of a gimmicky quarterback? How's he going to adapt to the pro game? 
The one thing you can say about Lamar Jackson, though, very coachable. He's not a guy that, even though he does utilize his legs, if you ask him to be patient, I think he can. Decision-making probably needs a little bit of work. Mechanics need a little bit of work. But it's not, it's not a lost cause. I don't think there's as much tweaks to the game to make Lamar Jackson pro-ready than I think more people think that you really got overall his game. You really don't. I think he's more ready than what people give him credit for. So to me, one of the more intriguing prospects of quarterback, Baker Mayfield, we go from, that's that's our last two Heisman winners right here out of Oklahoma. You know, the smaller stature being six foot, the inevitable comparisons to Johnny Manzella popped up. I don't think Baker Mayfield is going to be a star in this league, but I will say I think he's closer to more a Drew Brees type than a Johnny Manziel type. He is brash, a little bit arrogant. And again, you need that quarterback position. I don't think he's a first-round talent, but he'll definitely go there. And all this we've been hearing about the Browns scheduling visits, is it possible Baker Mayfield goes number one overall? I don't think anything's possible. I really do. Number seven, small school prospect that I seem to like more than probably anybody else. We've heard so much about some of the other small schoolers, like a Kyle Aletta out of Richmond, the Richmond Spiders. Even though I've only got him as number four small school quarterback, he was the MVP at the Senior Bowl during the game. But players like Connor Jessup out of Shepard, Chris Stravler out of uh, South Dakota, I kind of like more. But not more than this guy, Jeremiah Briscoe, Sam Houston State. Boy, he just, he, the last two seasons have just been sparkling. And before you say Sam Houston State can't get, you know, what, when are we going to see a Sam Houston State signal caller in the NFL? Um, you already have. He's been well-traveled, I wouldn't say a, an all-pro. But for Josh McCown to be in the league as long as he has, Oh, he, he's definitely got the talent. And uh, the Jets made the right move, making him the starter for the season. Do you think the Jets would have been as competitive with Bryce Petty or Christian Hackenberg at quarterback? If you do, you're on an island by yourself. Again, Briscoe needs a little bit of time. I don't think it's the small school competition. I think there's just some things there that he's going to have to work on at the, at the pro level. His release is going to have to be tweaked just a bit. His footwork is going to need some is going to need some adjustments. Arm talent, he can make the throws. It's not as much arm strength as velocity. I can zing it to the sidelines. He can make all of the throws that are needed. And, again, maybe the, the thing that I probably like the most about Briscoe, not only is he completing passes, 
I'm amazed at the amount of times he hits his receivers in stride. He's not just completing passes. He's putting it in that small window where it needs to be for his receivers to actually make yards after the catch. Very impressive. Josh Allen at number eight. This is a guy who could be number one overall as well. Definitely not as high on him. I think this guy's third-round talent at best. Out of Wyoming, disappointing season, but 6'4", 240. Boy, he's, he's really got the build. If there's any one of these prospects that are, that are top ten quarterbacks overall that look the part, that look like a franchise guy, it's Josh Allen. Fairly intelligent. Seems to be very coachable, likable. Again, a little brash, but at the same time, um, not over the top. Definitely seen him get rattled in some games. Uh, very reminiscent, I would say, of a certain player out of Vanderbilt by the name of Jay Cutler coming into the NFL. Seems to think a little too much of his arm. Maybe even like a young Brett Favre, or very old Brett Favre to say. Thinks that that arm is always going to allow him to get something, get a pass through that tight window. Not always going to be there. Definitely has forced some throws. Made questionable decisions throwing into sometimes even triple coverage. With Josh Allen, it's upstairs. If Josh Allen can put all of that together, if the mental characteristics match the physical characteristics, he could be the steal of the draft at the quarterback position. But you want to talk about bust potential? It's through the ceiling with Josh Allen. You, there's no security blanket there. Allen, to me, is the biggest risk, the biggest bust of the top five, top six quarterbacks in this draft as far as bust potential. I'm not saying he's going to be a bust at the next level. He's got a chance to be very successful. He's got all the talent. I think he's the only guy that can really rival Lamar Jackson as far as arm strength. And he looks the part. But it's all upstairs. Josh Allen looked like a guy who was really going to be a first-rounder when the season began. I think he played so poorly. And not only played poorly, but poorly in a lot of big games that I thought he was really going to come back for another year. I thought that it was really going to leave him feeling kind of defeated and sacked. He wanted to jump the Josh Rosens. He wanted to jump the Sam Darnolds. I think he still can. It's a possibility. But it's all based on his ceiling and not what we've seen on the field. So I'll give you 9 and 10. Mike White, Western Kentucky, 6'3", 225. Solid quarterback. To me, when I see Mike White, I see a career kind of backup journeyman. I see a Derek Anderson. I see a Gus Verrott. I see a guy who you're not going to draft to really be your franchise guy or lead your, you know, you know, be, be your signal caller for eight to ten years. But if something happens to your starter, I mean, look, look what the Eagles did with Nick Foles. What a luxury it is to have that backup guy that you can depend on, knowing that if, if your franchise guy goes down, 
you've got someone that, you know, maybe you don't have to cater the offense or change the offense that much. Chop half your playbook up just to, to make this guy comfortable. Mike White, to me, seems like that kind of guy. He's not going to be the star. He's probably not going to be a starter. But he's going to stick. I could see him in the NFL 10 to 12 years as a valuable backup, seeing some time, playing in some big games. And the coaches would have enough confidence in him to get the job done. Very solid. Very studious. Seems like the kind of guy who could actually even be a coach at some point in his career when his playing days are over. Number 10, got to go with Luke Falk out of Washington State. Again, a little gimmicky offense. The big question is, can Luke Falk play under center? He takes about 95% of his snaps out of the shotgun. Smaller statured guy. He has some big games, but when he's off, he's really off. So I think a lot of it's going to be mental with a player like Luke Falk. But also, you put him in the right situation, I think he can really blossom. I think a team like Jacksonville would be a great spot for Falk. Even though I got him behind Mike White, I think he's got starter potential. But there's more of a risk with a Luke Falk. And he might even be a little more pro-ready than some of the people in front of him. He can really read a defense. It's all going to come down to how comfortable is he going to be in an offense if he's got a standard center most of the time. Definitely has the arm talent. But a lot of that is keeping him positive if things don't go his way because we've really seen him have some – when he struggles, he really struggles. We're going to go into the running backs now. And this is a very good running back. This is probably the best running back class that we've seen in the last few years. And it's all capped by number one overall, not only at the running back position, but many think number one in this draft. Saquon Barkley out of Penn State, 5'11", 220. Tremendously strong. Holds a lot of the strength records at Penn State, even playing in the backfield. Absolute joy to coach. Anyone who I've talked to that has been around Saquon Barkley or involved with him, the, the guy's like a ray of sunshine. Always is trying to find the positive. And again, is he's not going to wow you with his rushing numbers. But boy, can he catch the ball. He can return the ball. This is the guy who, you know, I, I he's a better receiver to me than Christian McCaffrey. Who Christian McCaffrey taught, caught a ton of balls for, for Carolina, played himself into the first round. Really, I think, has to establish or, or show that he is big enough to kind of take it between the tackles consistently at the NFL level. Barkley's bigger. Barkley's stronger. Can you split him out as much as as McCaffrey and put him in as many positions on the field? Maybe not. Is he a better pass catcher? Yes. I think route running and the talent to get downfield after he's made the catch and his elusiveness. Pretty good vision. The biggest thing there is when he's got the time. If he's got to make a quick decision, 
I've seen him make some some bad decisions. There's a lot of I wouldn't say that Barry Sanders, there's not a lot of negative runs, but there's a lot of one, two yarders. Maybe a little guilty of trying to go for the home run. One of the things we heard about Jay Ajaye when uh, he was actually jettisoned by the Dolphins to the world champion Philadelphia Eagles, that he's always trying to make a 20-yard run by sometimes just taking the solid three, four yards, take what's there. I think Barkley was a little guilty of that, but again, he played behind a very porous offensive line. This year, I think they underperformed. Two years ago, I think he had a better year running the football. And I think even though the line was better, he dealt with a lot of injuries. I think Barkley did a great job of knowing the blocking schemes, the personnel that was in front of him, and and keeping up with the ever-changing characteristics of who who he was actually playing behind. I've got Kerryon Johnson, number two overall out of Auburn, SEC Offensive Player of the Year. Matter of fact, you can go to the SEC for the next three. Darius Geis out of LSU, and also then your senior Nick Chubb out of Georgia. Heck, even go to number six, Sony Michelle, also out of Georgia. Georgia with that two-back attack that took them all the way to the national championship game. There's a lot of good players here. The thing here is, who's going to establish, establish themselves as number two? Barkley is the clear-cut number one, and as we stated, he could be number one in this entire draft, regardless of position. Who is the real number two? Because right now, the difference between, say, two and maybe eight, it's pretty minuscule. So I think you're going to see the individual workouts and who's actually going to perform at Indianapolis and who's going to wait for their pro days. Running back, to me, is going to be one of the positions that is going to be the most important. Because I I just think the line between two and eight is just so small. There's a lot of going to be people that can make a lot of money and a lot of money that can be left on the table. We've got Royce Freeman, number five, out of Oregon. He's battled some injuries, but at 5'11", 240, one of the bigger backs that's available. Very good receiver as well. Pretty good speed for a guy who's carrying that weight. Not blinding speed. Not the most elusive. But he's not a Jerome Bettis type. He, he can actually he can get some separation. He can break away. And he's a workhorse. He's a guy at the next level, if it, given the opportunity. If he does go to a team where eventually he is going to be the man, He's a guy that you can give the ball to 25 times a game and then feel good about it. Not necessarily a guy that has to be in a two-back system or only maybe get 10 to 15 carries. Freeman can tote the ball. We talked about Michelle, number seven, another one of the underclassmen, Ronald Jones II out of USC. One of the more quiet backs. Six foot, 200. He's going to have good size, not excessively tall, not short. The thing I want to see more out of Jones, he's got good leg strength, but I want to see him break a few more tackles. I mean, we've seen him do it, but sometimes it's just so inconsistent. Sometimes the what seems to be the smallest or minute of con, you know amount of contact kind of brings him down. I want to see him finish runs on a more consistent basis. 
and someone I think that can be utilized in the passing game more than what we saw at UCLA and, or I'm sorry, USC. I think he's a better blocker than what he gets credit for too. I could see this guy as one of the best pass protectors of the running back class. Number eight, another interesting person, Rashad Penny, San Diego State. One-year starter after Donnell Pumphrey and his NCAA record-breaking running totals. Penny right now, I think, really opened a lot of eyes at the Senior Bowl with just how fast he is. It's not the the fact that he's got like that. I don't think he's going to put up that amazing 40 time. I think it's the rate of acceleration. He goes from, you know, starting, you know, at a complete standstill up to full speed, maybe as fast as any back in this class. He doesn't have that top-end speed. He doesn't have that extra gear. But he's just got that quick acceleration. And I think that's what's going to set him apart. Another very versatile guy, much like Saquon Barkley, return kicks. Highly utilized in the passing game. Pretty good size. And I think we could have seen more out of him last year, but I think San Diego State gave that ball to Donnell Pumphrey and kind of pushing him toward that Heisman and having him try to break as many records as possible. I think Penny deserved more carries. maybe the the couple seasons prior leading up to this one. Mark Walton at number nine, think kind of a forgotten man. Came out early University of Miami, and Miami is, you know, talk about running back here. There's been so many great running backs out of the University of Miami. Walton, though, did miss the second half of the season with an injury. He's had shoulder issues. He's had ankle issues, even a knee. There's been, there hasn't been a devastating injury there, but there's been enough kind of ailments and maybe things that have lingered that I think some teams will pause. They'll wonder, is this something we're always going to have to worry about with a Mark Walton? But for his size, he can take a lot of carries as well. And I've got Justin Jackson at number 10 on the Northwestern. I don't think he kind of got the pub that that he deserved either. I think he's more of a change of pace back at this next level. I don't see him as a guy who's really going to be a starter. Maybe more of a change of pace guy. Maybe more of what that T.J. Yeldon was for the Jacksonville Jaguars this past year. Maybe more of Kevin Coleman kind of playing off that uh, uh, Freeman out in in, uh, Atlanta. Maybe more of a 1B. Maybe a Giovanni Bernard from Cincinnati. Good change of pace back. Other notables, Bo Scarborough, Josh Adams. I've got Quentin Flowers, who is the quarterback at South Florida. I think he will be a running back before he's a wide receiver at the next level. Callan Ballage, that's another guy who, out of Arizona State, bigger guy, maybe a wide receiver. He could be a wide receiver before he's a running back. Chase Edmonds being the real big Small school guy. Rock Thomas is a guy who's flying up the boards out of Jacksonville State. Quick first step, very elusive. You've got a player like Jarvion Franklin out of Western Michigan who's more of the, 
the plodding kind of very patient runner. There's a little bit of Le'Veon Bell there. Really like what I see with him on film, waiting for those great running lanes to develop. I think he's one of these guys you can get later in the draft and you can feel good about it. We're going to cover the wide receivers and the tight ends and probably call it enough on this call, and we'll take some of the positions at a later time. So we're going to go to the wide receivers. Calvin Ridley, underclassman out of Alabama, seems to be the talk of this class, but we have the possibility where maybe a wide receiver does not go in the top ten. He's thought of as number one in this class, but is he a clear-cut number one? I don't think so. I think Ridley could still be passed. If someone has just a phenomenal pro day, really knocks it out with his interviews at the Combine, maybe run some of the drills there in order to try and shorten the distance between he and Ridley, he could end up passing him. Ridley's kind of seen as more of that sure thing, and I think he's the type of player who will probably pass on most of the drills. I think he's in danger of losing that number one overall status. He's kind of in a bad spot where he, where he is right now. There's a lot, I think there's more to lose than there is to gain. So, but, but I think the players behind him, players like a Cortland Sutton out of SNU, Christian Kirk out of Texas A&M, maybe even some late risers, D.J. Moore out of Maryland, guy with the Big Ten in receiving. I think a lot of people are sleeping on him. Anthony Miller out of Memphis, Simi Cobbs out of Indiana. We talked about James Washington and how steady he was at Oklahoma State. There's a lot of very good players in this draft that I think can really cut that gap. And I think one of them could be the top wide receiver off the board because I don't think wide receivers are going to go in the top five, possibly the top ten. Because of that, I also think that maybe like rounds three and four, you're really going to see a lot of runs on wide receivers. I think maybe it's a position that gets overlooked where people think, you know, there's just so much talent here. We can kind of wait till the mid or, or later rounds. We don't have to go there up front. Maybe there's a player we like more, but there's not, not as much depth to say maybe defensive tackle or one of the linebackers or maybe a cornerback where there's a lot of very good players available. Let's get that game changer right out of the gate. We can get a couple of solid receivers when we wait a little bit longer. I think because of that middle and late rounds, we're going to see a round or two where we could see as many as 10 receivers going around, and I think we could see, quote, a run at the position. We mentioned some of the players like Christian Kirk, Texas A&M, and I, I think he's a guy who's just kind of a whisker behind Calvin Ridley right now. Simi Cobbs out of Indiana just performed well in the big games. I think he plays bigger than that 6-3 frame would indicate. D.J. Moore, the speed in the hands with, with, with some size. Not, a, not really a small guy. We can take some, some players who maybe weren't utilized as much, like a D.J. Chark out of, uh, out of LSU. Phenomenal senior bowl, really flying up the charts. Looks like a solid second rounder now. It's probably fourth or fifth. 
before that senior bowl happened. Everyone knew he had the speed. But at LSU, you're not in a pass-happy offense. Your chances to shine are going to be limited. Michael Gallup out of Colorado State, really, really like him. Got a little bit of pause because I was a lot higher on Rashard Higgins. He's shown some flashes at the NFL level. Just hasn't put it together on a consistent basis. A Dante Pettis or a Cedric Wilson? Washington and Boise State, respectfully. I think a few years ago, their status would be much higher. Players like them right now, I think are hurt a little bit by the NFL and the rule changes in returns. We've seen the NFL move to more of a safety kind of deal on kickoffs. Punt returns are not... Uh, we've seen big plays and touchdowns on, on special teams in those areas go down while blocked field goals and things of that nature are way up. So I think if this was a few years before, a player like a Cedric Wilson, like a Dante Pettis, who offers so much in the return game at the NCAA level, would probably see their stock be even higher than what it is now. I think it gets diminished a little bit because right now returns are not as big at the NFL level. Trey Quinn out of SMU. I think if he's able to show some teams that he's more than just the guy that played across from Cortland Sutton, I think he'll impress enough people to move up. Jake Weineke, my small school guy out of South Dakota State. In South Dakota State, they've got some weapons because they've got the top small school tight end, maybe even top tight end in this class. A player like Jaleel Scott out of New Mexico State who – you know, at 6'5", could really be thought of as that prog- project somebody kind of bring along slowly or just, just utilize as a red zone target. Unsung players like a Steve Ishmael out of Syracuse. There's plenty of talent at the wide receiver position. Again, a deeper position, just not very top-heavy. The tight ends this year, that's about average. We might not see a tight end go in the first round. I think we're going to see four or five maybe go by round three. To me, they're led by Mark Andrews out of Oklahoma. He is the prototypical tight end. He's a Heath Miller type when I watched Mark Andrews. He's, he's better athletically than what you think. He can block. He's shown his flashes there. But just a just a solid target. Just really settles into the soft soft spots of the zone. And can make some big plays. Not blinding speed. But he can he can get some separation and he uses his body well. Really catches a lot of his balls at the highest point. Trying to shield the ball away from defenders, from safeties, from corners, linebackers who are forced to cover him in the middle of the field. He always seems to take that ball at the highest point and, and again, does a great job of shielding the ball away from defenders. We just talked about South Dakota State, Dallas Goddard. 6'3", 255, a little bit on the smaller side. But, boy, can he really, really move in the open field. This is an Eric Ebron type we saw a couple years ago, really shot up the board. It's been a little inconsistent at the NFL level, 
but he, he's got all the athletic talent that you, you would ever want. And this is, this is a position where I think some small schoolers are going to shine. We're going to see some players, like an Andrew Kaskin out of William & Mary, Andrew Waller out of Weber State, kind of go a little bit later in the draft that I think four to five years down the road you can kind of look back at this draft class and go, wow, those guys really went late, and they've really been productive. Troy Fumagalli out of Wisconsin, excellent blocker. Hayden Hurst is really making some noise and moving up the boards. South Carolina, I think that's going to be based more on his ceiling. Is he that Hunter Henry type out of Arkansas? Dalton Schultz, Stanford. Stanford's kind of become tight end U over the last 10 to 15 years. And Adam Bredeman out of UMass had such a promising start to his career out of Penn State. Knee injuries kind of forced him to, to quit football and shut things down. And then eventually he came back to football, so he's a little bit older. But at UMass, he was the most reliable receiving threat that team had. He's more like a wide receiver playing at the tight end position. A Marcus Ball out of Ohio State, who is a very good blocker. He's going to be a red zone target. He's never going to catch 60 passes at the NFL level. But can he go to a team where he's going to get you five to six touchdowns a year and be a reliable blocker in the running game? Absolutely. He can block on the line of scrimmage. You can split him out, and he can even block in a spread formation offense, something that I really like. David Wells out of San Diego, San Jose State. Ethan Wolf out of Tennessee, another guy who I just don't think was utilized enough. But when I look at him, when he's involved in the offense there at Tennessee, uh, that's a guy who I think could surprise. Or like, where was this guy in college? Maybe just not in the system that fit him properly. But Ethan Wolf just kind of screams breakout player at the NFL level. I think we've done a good job kind of covering things for now, but we're going to wrap it up. Next time we're back here, we're going to be talking more about the lines. We're going to talk about the offensive and defensive lines at the uh, at the next level and probably save the linebackers in the secondary uh, for, a, for a third call, probably break this into three. Have a great night, everybody, and we'll see you back in just a few days as we take the next positions. And, again, keep coming back to draftsite.com. We've got that full draft for you. Again, over 1,800 players in the database, everything you need to know. Have a great night, everyone.